last night uh, when I got home from Tuscaloosa and uh, my head finally hit my pillow a little after midnight this morning, um, I was reminded of how exhausting this week was. Um, and uh, then I got to kind of thinking about it and I'm like, well, it's not very much, there's not a whole lot of difference between that and the week before and the week before and the week before. Um, but this week was a little different, um, uh, dealt with a lot of different, um, different stuff. Uh, but man, it was so cool just to see God just move in really, really big ways. Um, I saw death this week. I saw life this week. Uh, I saw marriages um, that were beginning to, to, to just really um, begin to rip, be ripped apart. I, be, I saw God begin to put those back together. And uh, man, it was, it was just a really, really good week, tiring week, but very, very grateful um, that I was able to see God in it. Um, as uh, I was thinking about this week, I was thinking about where we are as a church, how we're studying this identity, uh, this, uh, this series on identity and talking about identity. And uh, man, it was, it was such a reminder. This week I got told twice or um, I got called out twice uh, about maybe being a fake or, or uh, that I wasn't who I, says I, who I say I am. And, um, you know, the first response to always in that is to kind of bow up and go, man, you don't know who I am. Um, but, but God kind of let me do a little bit of self-check, a little self-awareness and, and really examine myself and say, God, am I who I say I am? You know, when nobody's watching, am I, am I really being who you've called me to be? And, um, you know, uh, not all the time am I, I, I don't think any of us are because of, of, of the flesh, but, but I praise God that, that, that our, that our aim is to honor God and to glorify God. And so, uh, I just pray this morning is, uh, this morning and next week as we wrap up our, our series and identity that we would understand that our identity is not in who the world says we are. Our identity is not in uh, what social media says that we are, but our identity is in the fact of who God says that we are. You know, uh, when we started community, uh, it's hard to believe January will be six years, um, but it was about this time, six years ago, that we had begun meeting uh, in, in a small group, and we began to have conversations of what this would look like, and to be real honest with you, uh, we had a vision of this of people of different ethnicities and different demographics and different uh, socio, uh, socioeconomical backgrounds and different ages and that kind of thing. But man, until you see it become a reality, it, it, it just, it's, it's just a dream. Are you with me? But when you're able to put a picture with it, man, it's just beautiful. It's so much fun and so amazing that God lets us be a part of this. Um, and so uh, thank you for uh, allowing us to, to be who God's called us to be. Uh, and I pray this morning as we continue to look at this um, idea of our identity that we would really, really dive in to who God says we are. So this morning, we're going to look at identity part four. Remember, our identity is that there's a creator and we are not him. That was identity part one. Uh, I love the fact that God has order, um, that God did create things, that there's an originator, that there's a beginning um, and, and God did that in our life, and God did that for us, and the reason he did that for us is because he wants us to look like him, and talk like him, and walk like him, and just remember, when God got through creating us, he said something, and he said it was very good, and so just a reminder, if you weren't here, God doesn't make junk, amen, and God loves us, and, and he wants to use us, and he made us 
us for for a particular reason, for specific reasons. I'm convinced this morning that God made you for somebody else. You know, uh, Genesis 2, and, and maybe you're single this morning and you're going to like, man, well, that's not where I'm at. I'm just telling you, Genesis 2 says that a man will leave his mother and his father and he'll be united to his wife and the two will become one. I believe that for many people that's true. But that's not what I'm saying when I say that God created you for somebody else. I believe God made you, you, because he wants to use you to share Christ with somebody. God wants to use you as you to be a, a witness and a testimony to someone else. And so this morning, our identity is in the fact that there's a creator. The identity part two is that our identity is, that, is in the word of God. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but the world says that we're supposed to be this and we're supposed to be that. But God's word says we're supposed to be this. And what God's word says is what we should build our identity on. And then the third part of identity is our identity in Jesus, is in Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John chapter 1, verse 14, you know, we now have an identity that's not our own. We're, we're literally wanting to be like Jesus when we grow up. I love the fact of those who've been with us for some time. I, I heard Yahya pray it this morning. Um, Lord, just hide fish behind your cross. Don't let them see you, see him, but see you. I mean, that is our goal. That is our agenda. We don't want people to hang out with us and want more of us. We want them to hang out with us and want more of Jesus. Amen? So our identity is in our creator. Our identity is in God's word. Our identity is in Jesus. And then this morning, identity part four, we're going to see our identity is in the Holy Spirit. Several years ago, I got asked to be a character witness. If you don't know what a character witness is, a character witness is um, where they bring somebody in to talk really, really good about you, okay? And so uh, I got to sit down with my friend's lawyer, and my friend's lawyer began to have conversation with me, and he began to ask me questions, and he said, well, tell me a little bit about your relationship with your friend, and Man, this guy's been like a, a brother from a different mother kind of experience. And, man, I was talking about what kind of guy he was. And then he began to ask me questions like this. He said, well, do you think he would do such and such? And I said, well, man, I, I mean, you put anybody in the right situation, in the right circumstance, anybody will do anything. He said, well, if you're not asked that question, you won't answer that, right? Well, man, it just depends on how the question's asked. Well, a little later, the lawyer sat down with me and he said hey man we're not going to use you as a character witness and i'm like uh okay it's it's good and he goes it's not that 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 you don't that, that you wouldn't be a good witness he said we're just afraid that you might tell too much information okay and here's the point that i'm making okay uh my dad also told me he said son you'll never be a car salesman i said why is that he said you tell people about things about the car that they never even asked about okay well, I mean, I think you're supposed to tell everybody the complete story, right? See, a witness is someone who has knowledge of or has evidence or proof. That's the noun. It's a person who sees or experiences something or has evidence of. The verb tense here is to see or have knowledge of. You see, what... What he was saying was, that the, the, the lawyer was saying to me, what he was saying was that he only wanted me to highlight what I had witnessed that was good about my friend instead of all that I had witnessed. This week when that person looked at me and said, uh, man, I think you're a fake. 
I just kind of smiled real big. He said, for real, man, I think you're fake. I think you're going to fall. And you know what? He might be right. I might fall. Because can I tell you something? We're all sinners, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and I'm one decision away from blowing it. That's not my goal. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you put your identity in Jesus, it's like you got a big bullseye on your front and on your back, and the enemy's throwing darts at you every way that he can. Why? Because he wants to knock you down. Because if God can take your story and use your identity, and, and God can, can, can renew that and, 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 and show people there's a change in your life, then guess what? You or I don't get the credit for that. Only God can. A part of my exhausting week, uh, we had just gotten uh, done with the game yesterday. And for some of you that don't know this, I work with Ole Miss football on the radio network. And um, after the game, the game was over. And we're not talking about that. But after the game, the game was over. And, and I'm sitting there in the press box there at Tuscaloosa. And I look down and I got a phone call from a guy that I'm walking with. And he, he, I answered the phone. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm sitting here in Tuscaloosa. And he said, you went to the game? And so I said, yeah. I said, man, what'd you call about? He said, man, I, I got to ask you a question. I said, sure. He said, man, I feel like you've told me this 50 times and I didn't hear it. But man, I just wanted you to hear, man, I was talking to my cousin today and, and, and I got it. And I was like, praise God. And so we began to talk about how his identity in Christ is affecting a decision that he has to make and now he wants to do something about it. And church, all I want you to know is, is this. Your identity will change you either for the good or for the bad. Your identity will either make you a better person or a worse person. Are you with me? So what our identity is based on actually matters. And so this morning, as we go into identity part four, I just want us to make sure that we understand that there is a creator and our identity is in that. That God's word is a, a part of our identity. Jesus is a part of our identity, but the Holy Spirit is also a part of our identity because the Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. Look at Acts chapter 1 with me this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Many of you think that my voice is gone because I was yelling at the game yesterday um, I don't actually get to yell at the game, okay? Like, I don't get to say anything during the game. And so that was very difficult yesterday because I, my body was moving all over the place, but my mouth could not allow anything to come out. And so I think my voice is gone just because of being tired and that kind of thing. But when we're a witness to something, we want to proclaim that which we witness. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them, appearing to them for 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. I love how in the Bible it's not that far off from us. And what I mean by that is, have you ever noticed 
that sometimes people ask questions and they answer them with questions. Okay, we're about to see that here in Acts chapter 1. Jesus is, has had, is giving these disciples and these apostles and, and the people there, he's saying, hey, look, stay here. You remember John talking about baptizing with water. You're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, um, but, but, but you got to stay here because in a few days that's going to happen. And they're about to, to respond to Jesus with a question. And church, I just want you to think about the weight of this for a second. Imagine what it would have been like to be one of the disciples. Man, to get to walk with Jesus, to get to talk with Jesus, to get to hang out with Jesus. Uh, okay, maybe you can't fathom that. Maybe, maybe you're just a witness or a bystander at the crowd when he feeds the 5,000. Okay? You're kind of going through your business, and you've gotten caught up in the crowd, and you're following them, and there's this great entertainer, this great teacher, and so you're listening to him teach, and, and, and you get to see and witness him feed 5,000 plus people. You know, that might not be that big a deal for us to think about feeding 5,000 people, but can I tell you something? Feeding 5,000 people is a big deal, okay? But he did it with a kid's sack lunch. Pretty cool experience, right? One of my other favorite stories about Jesus is there's these four dudes, and, 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 and their friend is sick, okay? And their friend they believe that if they can get their friend in front of Jesus and Jesus can, can, can minister to him, that he can be healed. And so they go to this house where Jesus is hanging out. You know the story. They go to this house and they get to the door and they knock on the door and they can't get in because there's no room. And so um, they're, they're, they're trying to figure it out. So they climb up on this dude's roof, okay? And they hoist their buddy up on the roof and they cut a hole in the roof. Just to let you know, if there's somebody in my house and you want to see them and you come to see them and you can't get in, do me a favor. Just holler louder or knock on the door louder or, or yell or honk the horn or something. Don't cut a hole in my roof, okay? But they wanted their friend to see Jesus. But imagine being one of the witnesses in that room when, when, when homeboy comes getting lowered down in front of Jesus and he just simply says, because of their faith, you're healed. And man, I could keep going and keep going and keep going. But what it must have been like to experience that. So fast forward to Acts chapter 1 because all those things that I just talked about happened in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now we're in Acts chapter 1 and Luke is the writer of Acts. And he just said, hey, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 5, look at verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. What I love about this is I live with teenagers. It's, it's like they have a, this secret society, okay? And when you ask them to do something, they automatically respond back to you with a question of like why or how or what's that look like? And you're like, that's not what I asked. Okay, and Jesus is just simply telling these disciples and these and these followers. He's saying, "Hey, wait here a while. In a few days, you're going to re, re, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit." In verse six, says, "So when they had come together, they asked the Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel?'" And He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed his, by His own authority." But listen to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And I love these two verses, verse 10 and verse 11 in Acts 1 says, And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in, in white robes and, he, and, said, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So it's like I've gotten written in my journal Bible. It's like it's, it's not for you to know the time, so get on with it. When you understand that your identity is in the creator, your identity is in God's word, your identity is in Jesus, and now you begin to understand that your identity is in the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is what empowers you that you are to be his witnesses. And remember, remember a witness is someone who has has seen or has proof. Now I want you to think about this. When it comes to our identity, there are people who have heard about Jesus And there are people who have encountered Jesus. And you're like, well, what's the difference? There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I'm afraid that too many of us, if we're not careful, we've only heard about Jesus, but we've not encountered Jesus. I'm afraid that there's some of us in this room that's only heard about the Creator and we don't really understand or have encountered the fact that there's a Creator. He is is in charge of our lives. He is in control of our lives. And we do not truly believe that. I believe there are many of us that have heard the Word, but we haven't encountered the Word. Do you know that the writer of Hebrews says the Word of God is living and active? It's like a double-edged sword, meaning, guess what? It's going to do some work in your life and my life, regardless if we like it or not, because it's not just about hearing it, it's about encountering it. So imagine you're sitting there. First of all, you're hanging out with a dude that was killed in front of you. You saw them lay him in the tomb. He is now alive. You can see his spots on his hands where they crucified him, or actually on his arms, rather. You can see that his body, where the scars were from where they beat him, and he is sitting here having breakfast with you and lunch with you and doing life with you for 40 days. And he goes, oh, by the way, uh, not too long from now, you're about to receive the Holy Spirit. And when you receive that Holy Spirit, you're going to be given power, and you're going to be my witnesses. You see, our identity is not just in the Creator. Our identity is not just in God's Word. Our identity is not just in Jesus. Our identity is also in the Holy Spirit. And all of that together makes us up in our, makes up our identity. Why? Because if we don't understand that we were created, if we don't understand that our life is based on what God's Word says about us, if we don't understand that we've been saved by grace through the love of Jesus Christ, and that we don't understand that we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to be His witnesses, then we don't understand our identity. The song that the band played right before I came up here is one of my favorite songs. You know why? Because the world says, based on our identity, that he is going to give up on us, that he is going to turn his back on us, that he is going to quit. But can I tell you something, church? That's a lie. God never gives up. He never runs out. He never quits loving us. Why? Because our identity is in him. I want you to think about this for a second. To be a witness of something means you have to have proof of it or you have to have seen it. You have to encounter it. This morning I'm concerned that many of us have heard of Jesus but have failed to encounter him. I said it a minute ago, you asked what's the difference. When you've heard about it, you only can share what you've heard. But when you've encountered him, you know firsthand who he is. And you have received the Holy Spirit, and it's like the light has come on in your heart and in your life. 
So now you can be a witness based on your encounter. Do you see that? Church, I want you to understand something this morning. That this week, it, it was a little bit of a, a sucker punch, a little bit of a gut punch when that person said, you're a fake. You're going to fail. But you know what that did to me? It caused me to have kind of a personal evaluation, a self-evaluation of myself. And I had to begin to ask this question, am I who I say I am? You know what bothers me right now? That some of you, your blood is like boiling up. Because you're like, how dare them call fish a fake? Can I tell you something? I'm just one decision away from blowing it up. Are you with me? Just like you, I'm, you're one decision away from messing up your life, of messing up your testimony, of messing up your story. That's because we live in the flesh so often. And God's called us to live by the Spirit. We're going to see that in just a few moments. But church, I want you to hear me when I say this. I want you to hear me when I say this. If our identity is based on Jesus, if our identity is based on the Word, if our identity is based on God the Father, the Creator of all things, and, and if our identity is based on the Holy Spirit, then guess what? We can't but be a witness of that which we have encountered. So here's what I'd like for you to do this morning. I'd like for you to answer that question about yourself. Are you a fake? Are you going to fail? I can answer the second one a whole lot better than I can answer the first one. We're all going to fail. But like seriously, if you have a belief in God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, there are going to be days that you ask yourself the question, man, am I for real? Why? Because that's just a growth process of you becoming more like Him. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a war going on in your life. Some would call it an identity crisis. Some would call it an ownership problem. Church, can I tell you something this morning? Every single one of us are in an identity crisis, and every single one of us are in an ownership problem, meaning we are fighting day to day who's in charge of our life. We're fighting every single day. Are we going to stand for what I want, or are we going to stand for what God wants? True story, yesterday, a young man got an amazing opportunity to play in a football game as a true freshman. When we interviewed him at the end of the game, Richard Cross, who's our sideline reporter, asked him, I, I had to go get Plumley and bring him to this interview, and as we're walking, I said, man, I'm proud of you, bro. Just keep giving God glory, and, and dude loves Jesus, okay? He gets there in the interview, and, and here's how you know the difference that your identity is not based on you, but it's based on Christ. They asked, he asked Plumley. he said, a year ago, if I'd have told you in September that you would be the starting quarterback at the University of Mississippi while we played Alabama, what would you say? He said, I'd say I'm blessed. You know how you know that his identity is in Christ, his identity is in God's word, his identity is in the fact that God is in control of all things, meaning creation, death, life, and everything in between, and that his identity is in the Holy Spirit, because when God gave him the opportunity to be on the greatest stage of his life as a 19-year-old freshman in front of the entire world, what does he say? I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Church, there is a war, there is an identity crisis, there is a thing that is raging inside of us, and it's, it's for our identity, and it's our flesh versus the Spirit.
going to ask the band to go ahead and make their way back up as we kind of close out this morning. I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 16 through 25. This morning as we close out our time together, I feel that many of us are not walking in our identity with the Spirit. We have decided to walk in a way, we've decided to walk in the way we desire to walk instead of how the Spirit would have us walk. Let me explain, with you, explain to you what I'm saying based on Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Look at verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So I want to stop there and I want to look at these again. Look at verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. Meaning that if our identity is in God and our identity is in His Word and our identity is in His Son Jesus and our identity is in the Holy Spirit, then guess what? That the flesh and the Spirit are going to be at odds against one another. And so this week... When I got asked that question and I got, put, I got put in kind of a unique situation, can I tell you something, church? The Word says that they hated Him first. I'm pretty convinced, too, that my goal is not a popularity contest. My goal is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something, church? That is offensive. One of the sweet little ladies that goes to our church after the first service walked up to me and she said, you know, Fish, I've been taught that if somebody's pointing a finger at you, that means there's three more pointing back at them. And I'm like, man, that's so cracker barrelish, man. That's awesome. But she was doing it as a word of encouragement to me, and she was wanting to love on me. But, you know, bless her little heart, you know what she was saying? How dare somebody talk about fish like that? Why not? There's a war in my life every day where the flesh is going to win or the spirit's going to win. But you know what Acts 1.8 says? That when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have power. Resurrection. Resurrected power. You know the problem I got with most of us in this room? We're walking around and we think we got Energizer Bunny power. We're just sitting here clapping. And we, we love the fact that everybody's looking at us. But we don't understand that we've got power that's living in and through us that overcame death. Hear me, fellow addict, which that's all of us, because you all addicted to something. What it's saying is, is this is if the same Jesus that lives in you died for you, it's also the same Jesus that overcame death for you. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, God can overcome that too. The question is, are you going to live by flesh? Or are you going to live by spirit? Because guess what? They both can't exist in the same place. You're either going to gratify your flesh or you're going to gratify the spirit. Look at what it says in verse 18. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the work of the flesh 
are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, idolatry, and junk, uh, or sorcery, and enmity, and strife, and jealousy, and fits of anger, and rivalries, and dissension, and divisions, envy, and drunkenness, and orgies, and all these things, all these things are like these. I'll warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's my concern, church. We think because we've heard about God instead of encountering God that we're going to get in. That's not what it says. It says there is a change. There is a different, and you no longer live by the flesh. You live by the Spirit. means you give that stuff up. means you're no longer walking that way. You're walking a different way. And here's the deal. You can't figure out how to walk that way. you got to follow that way. you got to get in behind and follow that way because you can't do it by yourself. And then finally, look at this and we're done. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. And here's what I want you to hear me say this morning. Too often in our life, church, here's where we are. Man, I need more peace. I need more joy. I need more patience. Man, I need more self-control. I need more gentleness. I need more goodness. And here's the problem, church. We keep looking at the individual definitions of the Spirit, and instead of putting on the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to empower us to do these things, we want more of this, or we want more of that. And that's how I know you've just heard about it and not encountered it, because when you encounter it, you get all those things. Some of you are going, Fish, I know you. You're not gentle. I need more spirit. Fish, I know you. You're not self-control. I need more of the spirit. I need less flesh and more spirit. Why? Because my identity is not in my flesh. Because my flesh is my sin. My identity is in, my, is in the Holy Spirit. Because my identity is in Christ. My identity is in God. And I no longer live to gratify the pleasures of this world. I live to walk in step with God and with the Spirit of God. Amen? Look at what the Word says and we're done. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And listen to verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. May we identify, may our identity be, identity be found as we keep in step with the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, God, that, <laughs> that you want to meet with us today, that you want to move in this place today. God, that your Spirit would fall on this place today. And God, that our our desire, our goals, our passions, our wants, our needs would be just to meet with you in this place. God, forgive us of making our relationship with God about a 70-minute experience on a Sunday morning. And God, may we encounter you today as God the Creator. God the Word, the living Word of God. God named Jesus, the saving power and resurrection power of Jesus. And God, may we identify ourselves today 
with the Spirit that gives us power to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the world. And when we look at folks like the Yows, we don't think they're crazy. We think they're right where we ought to be also. Maybe we're just supposed to do it in Jerusalem, meaning our hometown or our neighborhood. Maybe we're just to do it in Samaria, which is just a little further away. Or maybe we are to do it to the ends of the earth. But God, whatever it is, may it not be because that's what the world wants us to do. May it be because we're keeping in step with you. Father God, I pray this morning for the person that's in this room that has felt the aroma or smelt the aroma, who's felt the presence of your Holy Spirit this morning. God, I pray that they would just be in, that they would embrace that this morning, that they wouldn't run from that, that they wouldn't hide from that, but they would let go this morning and that they would truly, truly worship you today. And God, if there's someone here today that doesn't know the hope of Jesus, God, don't let them leave this place without encountering not just hearing, but encountering who you really are. In Jesus' name.